and it's good to receive the word of God. The psalmist says, the entrance of God's word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. So my prayer this morning is that as we receive the word of God, we will receive his revelation. And not only will we receive that revelation, we will have the understanding. And as we understand and receive, God is able to change and transform our lives for his honour and to his glory. So are you ready to receive God's word? If you remember the last time I spoke, we looked at Hebrews chapter 12, the first three verses. And we were uh, encouraged. The writer encouraged us to run with patience, with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And we saw that the race marked out for us was the life that God had given to each of us to live. We also saw that to be able to do this, to run this race, we could only do it if we kept our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is indeed the author and finisher of our faith. So this morning's message is on a similar theme as that regarding the Christian life and in our pursuit of running this race that is marked out for us. So we're going to look at a passage from Philippians 3. Quite a long passage. It's Philippians chapter 3 verses 1 to 11. So what I'll do, I'll read it in two parts, one to seven, and then seven to 11. Verse seven will appear in both because verse seven is the hinge of my message today. Verse seven introduces the second part and relates the second part to the first part. So let's begin. Philippians three, Verses 1 to 7. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship God by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, 
as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But Paul says, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So let's consider these verses first. Paul says, whatever was to my profit, whatever was to my advantage. So, what were those things that Paul considered that were to his profit, to his advantage? Well, verses four and six, Paul describes those things that he considered that were to his profit. He says, he was circumcised on the eighth day. That is according to the law of the people of Israel. That's the chosen people of God. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin means son of my right hand. Which means a place of power and a place of prestige. Paul is a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, he's prominent among the Hebrews. He's a leading Hebrew. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. He's one who's devoted to the law. As for zeal, persecuting the church, Paul is eager to defend the honour of God. And as for legalistic righteousness, Paul is faultless. In other words, he's scrupulous in his adherence to the law. These are seven aspects of Paul's heritage and character. And as you know, in the Bible, seven is the sign of completeness and perfection. If you wanted to meet the complete, the perfect Jew, Paul was your man. As far as Paul was concerned, he was the model Jew. And Paul's reasons for putting confidence in the flesh, I'm looking at verse four, that is his confidence in himself as a man, came from his Jewish heritage and from his adherence to the law. And before Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and was confronted by the one whom he was persecuting, Paul saw his mission to Damascus as being in the service of God. And Paul was very mistaken, but God met him and turned his life around so that Paul might begin to truly serve the living God. And that's the same for all of us. By God's grace, at one point in our lives, we met Jesus and he transformed our lives. He changed us from who we were to who he always intended us to be. Let's keep going. How about you? What do you have that you consider is to your profit, to your personal advantage? Which personal characteristics and attributes do you value? Is it your cultural heritage? 
Is it your academic education? Is it your religious background? Is it your influential connections? I don't know if you have them, but you may. You have, may have some influential connections. So on which of these do you base your confidence? Now, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with any of these things, but they're not essential to live in the successful Christian life. So in verse seven, Paul says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. That is in pursuing the purpose of Christ. That is in knowing the person of Christ. Whatever was to Paul's profit, to Paul's advantage, he was willing to discard and disregard. In the pursuit of following the purpose of Christ and in pursuit of knowing the person of Christ. How about you? Are you willing to discard and disregard those things that are to your profit and that are your, to your advantage in the pursuit of following the purpose of Christ and in the pursuit of knowing the person of Christ? Because if you do, you will put yourself in the place, in the position where you are able to follow Christ more closely and where you are able to love him more dearly. Because to know him is to love him. Let's keep going. I'm now going to read verses 7 to 11. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that is which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 8, Paul says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Can you say the same? Can you say that I consider all things, that is your attributes, your advantages, and your accomplishments? Do you consider them rubbish that you may gain Christ? And so that you may be found in him. That's what Paul declared. Can you do the same? If you are a Christian. 
we have lost everything so that we may gain Christ. You see, it's better to have Jesus and to lose everything than to have everything and not to have Christ. Paul says in verse 9, we are found in him that is in Christ, not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. If you look at Romans 3.20, Paul says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his, that is in God's sight, by observing the law. If you remember the story of the rich young ruler in Luke 8, remember he declared that he had kept all of the commandments from his youth. Yet, when he was put to the test by Jesus, he failed miserably. And that applies to us also. We will all fail miserably when it comes to keeping the law. That is, in obeying God's commandments. In Romans 3.10, Paul says, There is no one righteous, not even one. So then, if we cannot become righteous by observing the law, that is by keeping God's commandments, how then can we become righteous? Well, Paul gives us the answer in verse 9, Philippians 3.9. It's by having a righteousness which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. In Romans 1.17, Paul says, For in the gospel, which we've all received, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous, the just, will live by faith. He's quoting Habakkuk 2.4. So we do not become righteous by obeying the law, by keeping God's commandments. We receive righteousness as a gift from God. That is the righteousness of Christ. And we receive that righteousness by faith. Now, since we have received this righteousness that comes from God, this righteousness that comes by faith? Is that the end point? Is that the end of my message? Have we reached the conclusion of the matter? No, there's more. There's always more. Paul continues in Philippians 3, 10 and 11. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Paul says, I want to know Christ. Do you want to know Christ? Do you want to know the power of his resurrection? Do you want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings?
In John 17, 3, Jesus says, Now this is life eternal, that we may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing Christ, that is, having a relationship with Christ, should be one of our main priorities as a Christian. Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. He wants to know the power and he wants to know the purpose of Christ's resurrection. Lots of people know, lots of people believe that Christ died on the cross. They accept it as a fact. But the power of that resurrection, the power that God gives, and the purpose of that resurrection, they know nothing about. The power of the resurrection is the power of God, who is able to raise Jesus from the dead. And the purpose of that resurrection is so that all should be saved. Do you know the power? Do you know the purpose of that resurrection? Paul says, I want both the power and the purpose of Christ's resurrection to be made manifest, that is to operate, to become apparent in my life. Can you say the same? Is the power and the purpose of Christ's resurrection being made manifest in your life? Is it operating? Has it become apparent in your life? Paul says, I want to know the fellowship of sharing in Christ's suffering. He wants to know what it is to suffer in the same way and for the same cause as Christ died. In this way, Paul will and us, we will all have fellowship with Christ and that should be our purpose, that should be our aim, that should be our goal. Is it your aim? Is it your purpose? Is it your goal? To know Christ, to know the power and the purpose of his resurrection, and to know the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Paul says, becoming like him, that is becoming like Christ in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, becoming like Christ in his death. What does that mean? What is Paul speaking about? Well, if we go to Philippians 2, 
5 and 8. Paul tells us what becoming like Christ in his death really means. We read it earlier, didn't we? Verse 5. Paul says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death. On a cross. So to, to become like Christ in his death means that we have the same attitude as Christ. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Paul says he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. To become like Christ in his death is to have the same attitude as Christ. That is an attitude of humility and an attitude of obedience to the Father. And Paul says, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, Paul isn't taking anything for granted. Paul says, and so somehow. But it's not an expression of doubt, only of amazement and gratitude to the goodness of God. Now, I believe when we get to heaven, there won't be anyone there with a sense of entitlement. I believe that when we get to heaven, there will be a sense of amazement and a sense of gratitude for the goodness and mercy of God. I think this is what Peter is referring to when he speaks about a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I believe that when we get to heaven, we will be so amazed for a certain period, there'll be complete silence. We'll be amazed that we finally made it, that re it really was true, and we'll be speechless. We'll have a joy inexpressible and full of glory. And I think this is what Paul is speaking about when he says somehow, some way, almost unbelievably, but he, we will all attain to the resurrection from the dead. Isn't that amazing? God loves us so much that he wants each of us to be with him. And he's made it possible through the cross. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, we do believe this. This is the promise and the assurance of Jesus. 
And when we think of those who have departed from us, let's be confident in the secure knowledge that Jesus is indeed the resurrection and the life. Those who have left us are now in glory. And that is our, the confidence that we have. That is the promise that is given to each one of us. And that is the assurance that we have. That where he is, there we will be also. He's prepared a place for each of us. And he will come again and receive us unto himself. That where he is, there we will be also. So let's close with these words of Paul. In Philippians 3.7, Paul says, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And in verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Let's receive his word. Let's embrace his word so that his word may change us for his honour and to his glory. Amen.